What's up, everybody? This is The Booch, and this shout-out goes to all of the members of the Booch Cast Nation. On behalf of the entire team and all of my affiliates, I would like to take this opportunity to thank you guys so much from the bottom of our hearts for your continued support of The Booch Cast. Whether it's wrestling recaps, interviews, politics, variety shows movie reviews, whatever episodes we come out with, you guys listen, you guys tune in, and you show your support. And it means the world to us. And we're going to commence with this latest episode in just a moment. But I want to take this opportunity right now to let you guys know something really huge that is going on in the world of the booch. I am now officially on Cameo. That's right, the Cameo. The same Cameo where celebrities go and give personal shout-out videos for all their fans. And I'm here to let you guys know that for the affordable price of just $25, you can get a personalized video from me on Cameo. And it can be for any occasion that you want. You got somebody you want me to wish a happy birthday? I'll make it happen. You want me to congratulate someone on graduating high school or college? I'll make it happen. Whether it's a happy holidays video, it can be a gender reveal, it can be somebody who needs some motivation, you want the boots to motivate you, or if you got somebody in your life that you want to break up with, I'll help make the breakup happen. Or if you got somebody in your life that you want to tell to fuck off, and you want it done booch style. All you got to do is go to cameo.com slash booch365. There'll be a link in the description box of every episode of the Boochcast from now till the end of time. Go there, book your video, customize it however you want. Let me know how you want it done, and I will make it happen for you. So go to cameo.com slash booch365 right now and book your personalized video today for the affordable price of $25. And now, on with the show. So just how far down do you want to go? Well, we could talk it out over a cup of joe and you could look deep into my eyes like I was a supermodel.
What's up everybody, this is Vinny Bucci, aka The Booch, and welcome to the recap of AEW. And before I commence with this recap, before I do what I do when I do what I do, I gotta say something right now. I can honestly say, last night's episode of Dynamite, if I was to make an overall analysis of the entire thing, don't worry, I'm gonna break everything down like I always do, but I gotta say, this is the most poorly put together episode I've ever seen of Dynamite. And I don't mean that as far as like match quality or organization or whatever. Just the fact that this show felt like Tony Khan was just pulling ideas out of his ass the day of. And the reason it felt that way was for two reasons. One, we're just coming off the all-in pay-per-view. We're gearing up for All Out, which is this Sunday. So we're literally going from one pay-per-view to the next within a week. But not only that, most of the talent wasn't present for the show because Tony decided to give AEW roster members time off for Bray Wyatt's memorial service. So anybody who wanted to go to the funeral was basically given permission to go to the funeral. And I know there's some people out there who are praising Tony Khan and saying what a great boss he is and what a kind gesture it is and blah, blah, blah. And here's the thing. Yes, it is a kind gesture. However, you have a pay-per-view taking place this Sunday. You need, at the very least, the talent who is going to be part of this pay-per-view need to be present to help tell their stories and build the match. Now look, I know Bray Wyatt's death was a shock to all of us. And for most of us, it's been an emotional time, particularly for those who knew him personally. I know me personally, I met Bray Wyatt once. Uh, it was actually when he was coming out of uh, the gym at the CNN Center. He was working out where the Atlanta Hawks play. I happened to see him walking through the food court. So I just came over, introduced myself, asked for a picture, and got it. And I was also very shook up because of the fact that I discovered that he was 36 when he died. And I happened to be 36 years old. So you can see how that would be a little nervous for me. You know, when someone dies uh, suddenly who's the same age as you, it, it fucks with you mentally. So I get that this is an emotional time, but you need to have your stars here because you also have to understand there are people in the audience who have paid their hard-earned money to come to that building and watch AEW and see the stars that they know and love. So unless somebody is injured or suspended, we'll get to that in a little in a moment, then they should be present for the show. Unless they're one of those people that's exclusive to Collision, in which case, you're probably not going to put them on the show. But you should have people there to build your pay-per-view. So already, you're doing a disservice to those fans who paid money to see the stars. And not only that, you're having to put together a show at the last minute because Tony Khan's biggest flaw, as I've mentioned many, many times before, is he waits to the last minute to throw shit together. He literally took this show to throw everything together for the pay-per-view this Sunday. I look at this pay-per-view and there is not a buildup to any of this. None of the stuff that was put in this show, and by this show I mean All Out, None of this has had a buildup. None of these have an emotional story to tell. There is really no reason to pay money to see 90% of these matches. 
because they literally went all in with all in. They were so obsessed with making Wembley a big deal. You forgot that this is also a big deal. So you did so well with all in, all out. Looks like a glorified episode of Dark. And you also have to bear in mind, you're trying to get people to pay money to see this. And the fact that there is no outrage over this tells me that the majority of the fans in AEW are brainwashed. And the reason I say that is because you're basically sending the message that you don't care what Tony Khan puts out there. You're going to buy it. You're going to support it. All those guys could get in the ring at the same time, drop their pants, take a shit in the ring, fill the ring up with human feces, and y'all will stand there and cheer it. Or at least that's what Tony Khan thinks. Because he did not put any effort into making these matches emotionally exciting. Now I'll give the talent credit. They went out of their way to get their matches over. But that's the talent getting it over in spite of their shitty booker. That's literally what I saw on this show. But like I said, I'm going to break it all down. But I just had to get this off my chest. Because I could not believe how disorganized this show was. And the fact that you're using this as motivation to spend money on a pay-per-view when I just bought a pay-per-view three days ago or four days ago at the time you're listening to this. This is the shit you gotta remember. And that's why you need somebody who understands the wrestling business to run a company and not just some mark who wants everyone to love him and wants to be everyone's friend and wants to be the cool boss so he lets the inmates run the asylum and gives them special treatments that I'm sure some of them are appreciative of, but most of them are taking advantage of it because there are a lot of wrestlers in the business who are selfish. And I know, because I've met them. I've met wrestlers in this business who are very selfish. I've met some wrestlers who are very, very giving. And the ones who are on this show tonight, they definitely gave their all, so I'm not shitting on them at all. Well, I'm, I'm some of them I might shit on when I get to their matches, but I give the talent credit for trying to make it work, and I give them even more credit for trying to get people emotionally invested in a pay-per-view that has had no buildup of any kind. And since they plan on going back to Wembley next year, and it's going to be at the end of August, I think they need to push all out to like the end of September. You, you can't do this again. You cannot go back-to-back -back with pay-per-views like this again. Because you've clearly demonstrated, and by, and by that I mean AEW, they have clearly demonstrated that they are not capable of stacking two pay-per-views in the span of a week. They're not capable of that. So they should put it till the end of September, give themselves a month to build these up so we can get some excitement and get people to care. Unless I'm right, and the fans are brainwashed, and they don't need to be built up. They just need to go sit in a chair because they just want to watch people flip-flop fly and almost die. In which case, what the fuck do I know? I'm just someone who works in the business. And anyway, uh, what I'm going to do right now is we're going to hit the high spots. And we're going to go into collision. The show opens up with Jackoff Perry. That's what I'm calling him now. He comes to the ring to retire the FTW Championship. The ring setup is making it out to be a funeral for the title. Perry says these things are never easy, but he's out there to say a few nice words about the FTW title. He says the title has grown near and dear to his heart because when they look up the title 100 years from now, there will be a picture of his face beside it. A video package plays showcasing photos of Perry and the title away from the ring. Jack Perry says five times in this title to a better place. He pulls out a sledgehammer to smash the championship before he can. The lights go out. A video package for Hook plays. Hook says the FTW championship is his bloodline and he'll be back for what's his. 
The lights come on. Hook is standing behind Perry. When the lights come back on, he beats Perry's ass. At the end of the beatdown, Hook T-Bone suplexes Perry through the table. After he's leaned it against the corner, he grabs the microphone and tells Perry he'll see him at Wembley on Sunday. All right, before I go any further, there's a few things I need to mention about this episode of Collision. One, this obviously happened before All In. And also, I was shocked to discover, but I found out from a good buddy of mine, Joe Pettis, who I hope to have back on the Boochcast in the future. I think I'm going to have him on for uh, when I do the Boochcast reviews, Dark Side of Comedy. And maybe I'll bring him back on for an interview uh, segment as well. It's been a while since I've had Joe on the show, and he's a dear friend of mine. That they taped this in Atlanta. Because originally when they were in Atlanta last week, I said I was relieved I didn't go to Dynamite. Then I found out they taped Collision since they were going to London, and I went, fuck, now I could have went. So if I had known they were taping Collision, because I didn't see any advertisements for a Collision taping. If I knew they were taping Collision, I would have went to at least see Collision. Then I thought, okay, I'll see CM Punk, I'll see Sting, I'll see Keith Lee. You know, I, I would have been excited for that. Just wish I would have known. But obviously there's a lot of things that I see wrong here. And the first thing is the fact that they put this match on All In. It should have happened at All Out. This match should be happening this Sunday and not this past Sunday. You already had a stack card for All In. You did not need to add this match. You didn't at all. You did not need to add this match for any reason. And of course, it's hard for me to wa it was hard for me to watch this because of what happened at All In. You know, with the whole Jack Perry throwing a whiny diva fucking hissy fit, you know, doing the shoulder bump to Punk, Punk shoving him in response, Perry coming at him, and then Punk choking his ass out, which some people are telling me that didn't happen. Well, that's what I fucking read, so unless I see a retraction, that's the fucking story. But now we have an update on this whole thing, and apparently both Jack Perry and CM Punk have been suspended. Now, the one positive thing from what I've read is they're at least acknowledging that Jack Perry is getting most of the blame because he did, in fact, start this shit. But the fact that Punk defended himself, the fact that he defended himself and Punk still gets suspended is fucking bullshit. And I'm going to tell you why it's bullshit. Because I am sick and tired, whether it's in wrestling, whether it's in the real world, whether it's in school, whether it's at work, or anywhere in life, the zero tolerance policy is the worst thing to ever happen. Because it is forcing people to live in a world where if someone fucks with you and you defend yourself, you get in trouble. That's how fucked up the world is today. You're not allowed to defend yourself. And that is wrong. That is not a message you want to send to anybody, especially the younger generation. Because everyone has the right to defend themselves. That's why whenever I got in fights at school, and I've been in a few, if I got in trouble with the school, my dad would play the game. You know, he'd lie to the principal, lie to the teacher, all that other stuff. But the second I walked in, he walked in that office, he would only need to know one thing and one thing only. Did I start it or did I finish it? Who threw the first punch? That's all my father ever cared about. Because if I threw the first punch, He's going to ground me and beat the shit out of me. If I didn't throw the first punch and I defended myself, then I wasn't in trouble with him. I might get in trouble with the school, but my dad is not going to reprimand me. And I was more afraid of my dad than the fucking principal. I'll tell you that shit right now. But the reason it's such bullshit is because, again, it's not real life. I mean, think about it, ladies and gentlemen. If you're walking down the street and somebody hits you, if somebody threatens you, someone gets in your face, or God forbid, tries to sexually assault you, 
Are you just gonna sit there and let them do it? What planet do you live on where you actually think that a person who gets in a fight is just gonna let somebody hit them and do nothing? I don't know what fantasy world people are living in where you think you can fuck with people and there are no repercussions to your actions, but that ain't the real world, ladies and gentlemen. That ain't life. That ain't the real world. There's a reason why there's a phrase called fuck around and find out. And that's what Perry did. He fucked around and he found out. Now, if Punk had started the fight, then I could understand him getting in trouble. And I would be agreeing with everyone when I say Punk is a hothead who needs to learn to control himself. But since he didn't start the fight, and he didn't start the last fight either, and it's no coincidence that the two different times Punk has been in a physical altercation, it's been with members of the same Cucamonga clique. Because they're a group of immature fucking children. And Jack Perry has demonstrated that he is unprofessional. He has demonstrated that he's a fucking brat. And he's demonstrated that he can't draw money. So 100% Jack Perry should be suspended. Hell, I'd fire Jack Perry if I was Tony Khan. Why? Because he ain't special. But here's what's really stupid. Tony Khan suspends CM Punk. The week that AEW is in Chicago. This episode of Dynamite was in Chicago. Rampage Collision are in Chicago. All Out this Sunday is in Chicago. Again, you have a pay-per-view and your biggest star who lives in, who's from Chicago, lives in Chicago, is the backbone of Chicago, who reps the city proudly, is not going to be competing on the pay-per-view. This is another example of why Tony can't book. Because at the very least, even in WWE, if they're going to suspend somebody, they at least wait until after the big pay-per-view and then suspend the guy. And usually they have the person job. Here's what you could have done. Here's what I would have done. You, if you, I, Firstly, I don't think Punk deserved any punishment of any kind. You should not be punished for defending yourself, whether it's at work, school, or anywhere. Anyone who endorses that, I blame you for the fact that we have a generation of weak-ass motherfuckers. But if you really feel like you need to spend CM Punk, here's what you do. You let him work the Chicago shows. Let him do Dynamite. Let him do Rampage. Let him do Collision. Let him work all out. You give him a match at All Out, and you have him drop the real world championship. Have Punk do a job to somebody that you want to make a world champion. Hell, I would take Ricky Starks off of this suspension and put that title on him. He's a big enough star. Or... Here's another idea. If you felt like you were going to suspend CM Punk after that altercation, change the finish at the last minute. Tell Punk, look, I hate to say this, but I got to suspend you. So when you go out there, make sure you tell Joe we're changing the finish and he's going over. And Punk and Joe are such pros, they could call our elbow tie up and talk, okay, how do we want to end this thing? And then they pick the finish. Joe hits a muscle buster or chokes him out in the middle of the ring, has Samoa Joe win the title. And then send Punk home. Or let them have a rematch it all out. Joe wins it there. Have him drop the title. Let him wrestle in his hometown. Then once you get past the Chicago shows and the big pay-per-view, then you can suspend him if you feel that's what you need to do. Again, I don't think he should be suspended. I'm not happy that he is. But I'm just saying if you were going to do it, that's how you do it. Because you have to think about the fans and you have to think about business regardless of how you feel about cm punk he is a money draw and a top level talent he's not somebody you can easily just get rid of and if he is so easily disposable why haven't you fired him because tony 
is not firing him for a reason. It's because he knows Punk is money. But yet, you don't want to make money with the guy properly. It's fucking stupid. This whole thing is goddamn ridiculous. And you pretty much took the wind out of the sails of All Out the second you took Punk off the roster temporarily. This is stupid. This is pointless. And it's a prime example of why AEW is a secondary promotion. This is the harsh reality. Because it's not run by people who understand wrestling. Because if it was run by people who understand wrestling, this shit would not go down. So after we get past this bullshit, you know, we have the best friends in the ring who join uh, Kingston, Penta, and Orange Cassidy. Uh, Chuck Taylor runs down their opponents at All In. Trent takes the microphone and screams at them for wrecking his mom's van. Trent says they are coming to hurt them tomorrow and they're going to do it for Sue. There's a big Sue chant. Before the other two guys can speak, Kingston and Cassidy, they're interrupted by the Blackpool Combat Club, Santana Ortiz on the Tron. Kingston leaves in the middle of the promo to head backstage and find them. But basically, you know, they're talking about how they're going to beat their ass, they reap what they sow, and that Santana and Ortiz know who's real and who's not. Eddie arrives backstage, he can't find anyone. He threatens the cameraman to get the location, but gets no answers. And he runs down what he's going to do to his opponents in Stadium Stampede. I'm going to say this. I love the promo from Eddie Kingston. That right there was a reason to get people invested in the Stadium Stampede match. Eddie Kingston is amazing. And he apparently wants to save Claudio for last as he runs through everybody. He tells Moxley, I don't have a problem with you. You're my brother. Just stay out of my way. So he gives him the warning. Stay out of my way. Because he's got no beef with Mox. But he wants to go after everybody else. And I'm going to jump ahead here for a little bit because I feel like I need to. But if Eddie Kingston hates Claudio Castanoli so much, why are they not fighting one-on-one at All Out? This is the thing that bugs me. For whatever reason, they have been establishing to the audience that Eddie Kingston and Claudio Castanoli have this hatred for each other. Now, granted, Eddie hates Claudio more than Claudio hates Eddie, but nonetheless, there's a rivalry here. Now, granted, this is the stupidest rivalry I've ever heard of because the reasons are petty as shit. It's over shit that happened in Jakara, which nobody gives a shit about except for this niche audience, and there's an even deeper, deeper aspect of the niche audience that care, gives a shit about Jakar or even knows what the fuck it is. But you're educating the audience this is a major blood hatred feud. Why not put that at all out? Why is he in a goddamn tag team match where he's teaming up with some random guy named Shibata and Claudio has to team up with Wheeler Useless and have a fucking tag match? Why? Just have Eddie and Claudio finally fight this shit out. What the fuck are you waiting for? Let them kill each other. It's all out. Give us something to get emotionally invested in. Give us some excitement. You have a story right here. Why are you wasting this on a pay-per-view? Let them fight one-on-one at the pay-per-view. Don't put them in a fucking tag match. This is the shit you do for, like, collision. Make it happen. What are they going to do? Wait till fucking, what, full gear, I think, the next one? Or are they going to fight at a Ring of Honor pay-per-view? Or are we going to, they're going to do something in New Japan? Because I think Eddie has that open heavyweight championship, whatever the fuck. Why are you stalling with this? Why does almost every match have to have multiple guys in it? Just take the two people who hate each other and let them have a fucking wrestling match. But then again, look at the target audience. The people who don't really care about stories and just want to see the flip-flop fly and almost die. I'm losing my patience here. Then, of course, we got Big Bill with Ricky Starts against Barry Morales. Big Bill basically beats the shit out of this guy, hits a choke slam, scores the victory. Ricky Starks then whips Barry Morales with a belt after the match and says he'll have a bigger strap next week. Because he's basically getting excited over the fact that his suspension is about to be lifted. 
But like I said, I love this combination of Big Bill and Ricky Starks. I think this is great because Big Bill's got somebody to talk for him. And Ricky Starks has a wrestler slash manager license, which means we can see him work double duty and do very well with it. I also like the fact he faced uh, Barry Morales because that's a wrestler I actually know personally. Uh, we're not friends. I just know him because we've worked some uh, indie shows together in the past. So I'm definitely, you know... Excited that he got to be on TV. Granny's getting whipped by Ricky Starks, but uh, hey, TV time is TV time. You learn that in the business. There are no small parts, only small actors, or in this case, wrestlers. Technically, he is a small wrestler, but anyway. We then have Willow Nightingale versus Robin Renegade, which Charlotte Renegade, whoever the fuck that is. I don't know who this Robin girl is, but I like her. I think she works very, very well. Of course, they gave the win to Willow Nightingale because she's over like Rover for reasons I'll never fucking understand, but uh, Robin is incredible. I love this girl. She's a great worker. She's got a great gimmick. I would love to see her on Dynamite if she's allowed to be. Uh, I definitely would give her more um, ring time, screen time. I want to see more of Robin. I think that this girl can be, has the potential to be somebody. I mean, she's not there yet. She's got a long road ahead. But there's something there. And then we got Keith Lee versus Ziggy Dice. I am so happy for this. Because again, Ziggy Dice is another guy that I know very well. I've seen him at multiple indie shows that I've worked at. Mostly with Buff. Because I know uh, Buff and Ziggy Dice are, um, are good friends. So he always comes over to say hi. And you know he'll say hi to me too. And you know he's Ziggy Dice is a really cool dude. Off screen. He really is. So I was excited to see him in this match. To get some time. And it makes sense because he does live in Georgia, so it makes sense that they bring him in. Keith Lee um, did some posing, hit a spirit bomb, got a one, two, three, and they were bragging about this being his collision debut. And I'm going to say this. His collision debut was a billion times better than his Dynamite debut, or his AEW debut, period. was fucking awful. Like, here's the fucked up part. The match he had with Ziggy Dice, he should have had with Isaiah Cassidy when he first came in. Like the match he had with Cass Isaiah Cassidy, he should have had with Ziggy Dice. Because at least Ziggy Dice is somewhat Keith Lee's build, and he can work. And it looks believable if they're fighting each other. So they gave him a powerful debut a couple years too late, but good nonetheless. And then we had the main event, an eight-man tag. CM Punk, Hook, Darby Allin, and Sting versus Jay White, Swerve Strickland, Luchasaurus, and Brian Cage. This was a very well done match. Good psychology, good storytelling, good back and forth action. Uh, thoroughly enjoyed it. Wish I could have seen it live. But in the end, Punk hit the GTS on Brian Cage and follows up with a Kokia clutch to get the win. Because Samoa Joe was at commentary, but he was told if he interfered in the match, he would not get to face Punk at all in. So Joe kept his cool until the match was officially over. Then he gets in the ring and fights him. And then they brawl in the ring. Jack Perry joins the fray to fight with Hook. Everyone's brawling around the arena as the show goes off the air. But at one point, I did see Joe Pettis in the front row with his camera filming stuff. So I did see Joe on TV. So if you if you go back and watch um, the match on YouTube, you'll see Joe Pettis. And like I said, I do plan on bringing him on the show. Uh, definitely to do Booch Cash Reviews, Dark Side of Comedy. And definitely have him on for an interview at some point in the future. Because Joe is a really good friend of mine. And with that said, uh, we're now going to jump into AEW Dynamite. And 
We kick things off with our first official match of the evening. We've got John Moxley one-on-one -on -one against Commander. Why? What the fuck was the point of this? I had to watch John Moxley, for the most part, beat down Commander. I then watched Commander do it all his stupid, flippy, flippity, floppity bullshit. And Moxley actually sell for it, which is fucking embarrassing. But then in the end, John Moxley gets the win after making him tap out to an arm bar. And all I'm thinking is this. No shit John Moxley was gonna win. We knew Moxley was gonna win because he's getting a shot at the international championship at All Out against the winner of the main event. So Moxley's already going to the pay-per-view. He has to look strong for the pay-per-view, so yes, he's gonna win. And he should look strong, so why should he struggle to beat Commander? Again, you're supposed to separate your top guys from your lower-level guys. And if Moxley can struggle to beat a lower-level guy, why would he be a threat to anyone else? If he if he has to struggle to beat Commander, why would anyone else be intimidated by Moxley? Why? Because he's bloodthirsty? That's the, that's the wrestling psychology that people don't understand. Moxley should have tore through this motherfucker like tissue paper. It should have been beat down, beat down, beat down, paradigm shift, death rider, whatever the fuck you want to call it. One, two, three, get him out of there. This should have been a get-in, get-out match. My only guess is, because they didn't have a lot of shit to work with, they probably made them have a long match to fill the time. Then we cut to a vignette where Orange Cassidy discusses his reign as the AEW International Champion and makes it clear that it won't stop. He then turns his attention to John Moxley and basically tells him, I'm not the same Orange Cassidy that started four years ago, and I'm going to show you why. Okay, here's what I don't get. How the fuck does Orange Cassidy convince people... He's not the same guy that started four years ago. From what I see in the ring, it's the same fucking guy. He's just getting more ring time and a long title reign that he should not have. Every match with Orange Cassidy is the same shit, you know? For the people that complain that Cena and Roman and so many other people had, had the same bullshit moves, that's literally what Cassidy does every match. Orange Cassidy is a one-trick pony, and we've been seeing the same trick for four fucking years. How is he not the same Orange Cassidy? He says he's going to show us why. Well, I look forward to it. I look forward to seeing a different Orange Cassidy. I doubt I will. But we'll see, won't we? Then there's some uh, fuckery backstage, but it involves the elite, so I'm skipping that. Then we get to an interview where Tony Storm is asked about what happened in the AEW Women's World Championship match at All In. Storm says Soraya went off script, and now she doesn't have any friends or any titles. Storm says Wembley went tits up, and she can't trust anyone. Yeah, Tony Storm basically had a fucking meltdown. And I think it's safe to say, if the outcasts are still together, I think Tony's out of the group. I think it's just Soraya and Ruby Soho at this point. Because Tony just made herself persona non grata. And obviously everybody knows I love Tony Storm. I love that ass. But right now there's nothing really interesting to see with her. So who knows? Maybe she'll go for the TBS championship. Assuming Ruby Soho is able to take it. But I don't really see Tony Storm doing anything of interest anytime soon. And on that note, we cut to the in-ring segment with Chris Jericho. Jericho says everyone should be happy after AEW All-In. He highlights how successful the weekend was for him and notes that he would never forget it. Jericho says he would like to forget how he treated Sammy at AEW All-In. He calls out Guevara. Guevara comes down. Jericho says he never should have taken his frustrations out on Guevara. He notes that he didn't know whether Guevara did everything he could to help him win All-In, but then saw the footage that he did. Jericho tells Guevara he wants to apologize. He extends his hand. Guevara shakes his hand and says a little push 
won't break them up and gives him a hug. Jericho wonders what he could have done differently. It's just that Guevara could have hit Will Ospreay a little harder. Guevara responds by saying Jericho could have got it done if he hit the Judas effect harder. Jericho says sometimes when he asks Guevara to do something, it doesn't always turn out the way he envisioned. Guevara fires back by saying he left his pregnant wife to be there for Jericho. Jericho says plenty of people would have been killed, would have killed to be on the show. Guevara says maybe he could have wrestled it all in if he wasn't so worried about helping Jericho. He takes a shot at Jericho losing. Jericho brings up Guevara's loss at Double or Nothing. Guevara calls out Jericho became the first AEW World Champion in Chicago, and he lost the title outside of a steakhouse. Jericho tries to diffuse the tension and says they should get back to being together and supporting each other. He says they should reunite the sex gods and target the tag titles. Jericho says that quest should begin next week. Guevara shakes his hand, so he's seemingly on board. And I like it. You know, Jericho and Sammy are the last two surviving members of both the Inner Circle and the Jericho Appreciation Society. Sammy made it clear he's not turning his back on his friend. So why not? Let's put them in the tag title picture. Maybe they could be the ones to dethrone FTR. I think that would be great. Or if they want them to go for the Ring of Honor tag belts and dethrone Better Than You, baby. You know, either one of those... I could see happening. I think Jericho could have a great run with the tag titles. But I'm also worried this could also lead to a breakup and Jericho and Sammy going one-on-one -on -one at a future pay-per-view. But here's what I'd like to see. I'd like to see them win the tag belts, and then after they lose them, then they can have their one-on-one -on -one feud. But if Jericho does go solo, he should make the climb back to the AEW world title. Unless you want to put the TNT title on him, in which case, I don't know. I wouldn't have too many objections to that. But... I know Jericho originally wanted to do that with Don Callis' family. So if they don't go for the tag belts, get them back in the world title picture. But I think Jericho could bring some credibility to the tag team division because he does have a reputation for being a great tag team wrestler as well as a singles competitor. And I think him and Sammy would make great tag team champions. Then we cut to a promo backstage where John Moxley addresses the main event, which will determine his opponent all out. He says the wrestler with the biggest bite will leave with the gold on Sunday. And of course, he's referring to the fact that uh, Orange Cassidy and Pentagon are fighting in the main event for the International Championship, and whoever wins the title will defend it against Moxley at All Out. So then we're going to move on to the next match of the evening for the NJPW Strong Openweight Championship. Eddie Kingston defends the title against Wheeler Yuta. Now, I know some of you are shocked that I'm calling him Wheeler Yuta and not Wheeler Useless, but I'm going to tell you why I'm calling him Wheeler Yuta. Because Yuta actually worked a match here. And that's what I love about him being in the Blackpool Combat Club. And I think the commentators pointed this out as well. Wheeler Yuta is learning how to brawl more and not do the spot shit. So him and Kingston had a fight. They had a match. They were wrestling. They were working. And it was brutal and it was violent. This was arguably the match of the night. And I was very impressed by it. I love Eddie Kingston. My only complaint about Eddie Kingston is I really, really wish he would stop pulling the straps down on his singlet. I'm sorry. He does not have the body to be pulling the straps down. Okay? If Eddie Kingston wants to be a big fat fuck and not lose weight, that's fine. I'm not going to fat shame him for that. But I am going to fat shame him if you're going to pull your straps down and expose that big ass belly and make yourself look like garbage in the fucking ring. Keep the singlet on and wrestle. You can have a big body if it's covered. But unless you're fucking like Rikishi or Yokozuna, rest in peace, no one wants to see your big flabby stomach. Hell, 
I'm fat. I know no one wants to see my stomach. I cover it up. Unless I'm at the pool or at the beach. Then I'm taking my shirt off because fuck you. It's the pool, it's the beach. But when I'm normally out in public doing other things, not beach or pool related, I wear a fucking shirt and I cover it up. And Eddie Kingston do the same. But I'm saying that's my only complaint about Kingston. Other than that, he's great. And then in the end, he drills him with two back fists for the win. Kingston does. Claudio Castanoli walks by ringside and helps you to the back. Kingston yells after him. And then eventually they make that bullshit tag match. What they should have done was have Claudio come out, fight Eddie Kingston. Or if he's going to ignore him, have Eddie Kingston challenge Claudio to a match at All Out. One-on-one, -on -one, let him fight. And let's either build a program with this or make it a one-and-done so we can finally move on from this crap. Because after a certain point, Eddie Kingston just sounds like a bitter jackass. Fucking, like, either fight or walk away. And, of course, there's a video package uh, recapping the MJF Adam Cole match at All In. Then in a post clip, MJF and Adam Cole discuss their win backstage. Uh, MJF's got an ice pack on his neck because he hurt his neck because apparently he gave him those um, Snapdragon suplexes multiple times and it hurt his neck. Um, MJF says that, you know, I love you, brochacho, but... Those neck that, that fucking hurt. He said, you made me wrestle more times than I fucking want to. He goes, and now the, the Mark Tony Khan's going to make us defend our tag titles at All Out against the winner of the tag team Battle Royal on Rampage. So they're going to be having a match this Sunday for the Ring of Honor World Tag Team titles. MJF not defending his world title at All Out. Yeah, you got a big pay-per-view. The world champion's not defending. That makes fucking sense. Shows you how serious they're taking this pay-per-view. And then he says, hey, I, I'm about to go... I'm about to go to Paris, bang some rats, eat a baguette, and I will see you at All Out. And then Adam Cole says, you know what? You're right. If anybody's earned a week off, it's you, buddy. And then they, you know, high five, bro it up, and then Adam Cole walks out of the locker room. So we're not going to see MJF until All Out, which is fine. We don't have to. That's all we need to see. You know, maybe they'll do some kind of vignette or whatever, but he basically said he'll see him at All Out. So maybe we might see him in Paris eating some baguettes and flirting with some rats. It'd be something fun to play. And then uh, backstage, we have a dumb Don Callis questioning Sammy Guevara about his decision to stick with Chris Jericho. Guevara told him to get lost, which is great because I think he was trying to recruit Sammy for the Don Callis family. But here are the facts. Sammy's not turning heel anytime soon. He's got a pregnant wife. He's already established himself as a babyface. He's not turning heel because the crowd doesn't want to boo him. Now we cut to the in-ring segment with Adam Cole, baby. He brings up AW All-In and thanks the fans for making it such a special night. He says E and MJF won the Ring of Honor World Tag Team titles, but the night wasn't perfect as he lost in the main event. He says he knows he'll get another shot at some point, so he's not beating himself up about it anymore. Cole says MJF is banged up, but he'll be ready for All-Out. Then Roderick Strong and the Kingdom interrupt. Strong asks Cole whether his own neck is less important to Cole. Mike Bennett notes Cole recalls their history together in Ring of Honor and the Kingdom. Bennett notes that Cole was at his wedding and they did everything together. He even planned his bachelor party. He tells Cole that he cares too much about the fans and what they think about him. Then Matt Tavin says Cole jumped ship for the Bullet Club and then Florida, which was their way of saying going to NXT, where he propped himself up with other people, which of course means Roderick Strong, Bobby Fish, and Kyle O'Reilly, and the Undisputed Era. Tavin says Cole has latched on to MJF, thinking that's his way to get to the title. Tavin says Cole only cares about himself. Cole said MJF is his best friend, but Strong says he can't accept that. Adam also says, if I ever made you guys feel like you weren't important to me, I'm sorry. Strong says he's entering the Grand Slam tournament so he can get a shot at MJF. Cole says it's a horrible idea because you're, you're not medically cleared. But Strong fires back by saying he'll win the tournament because he's a wrestling legend. 
Cole says he's done nothing wrong as they walk away. And that's the thing, he hasn't done anything wrong. These are petty, jealous motherfuckers. And Roger Strong's gonna look stupid going into this with a broken freaking neck. You're not Kurt Angle, motherfucker. So, I don't know what's gonna happen here. It would be intriguing to see if Roger Strong does in fact win this tournament. Because, I forgot to mention this during uh, MJF and Adam Cole's promo. They have, they're doing a World Title Eliminator tournament that's gonna culminate on September the 20th at AEW Grand Slam where MJF will defend the world title against the winner of the tournament. So they're gonna, the tournament I think is gonna start next week, and then like I said, it's gonna end up with Grand Slam on the 20th with MJF defending the title. And I'm glad it's on the 20th, because I know the 27th, unless something changes, and I pray to God it doesn't, I should be out of town that week, so I probably won't be able to recap AEW, or even watch it. So at the very least, it'll be on Grand Slam. Then we see a promo with Alex Abrahantes hyping up Pentagon's match with Orange Cassidy later in the show. He says Penta will then make John Moxley bleed worse than he ever has before. And Penta says that his match tonight with Cassidy is business, not personal, because he respects him. He says, but he doesn't respect John Moxley, and after he beats Cassidy, he will get revenge for what he did to his brother. Because they put Ray Phoenix on the shelf. And it's weird to see Pentagon speak English. I keep forgetting that he can, because I'm so used to him not speaking English in Lucha Underground. But at least he has Edward Hantes there to help hype things up. Now we move on to the next match of the evening. We got some six-woman tag team action. We got Chris Statlander, Hikaru Shida, and Britt Baker versus Nyla Rose, Marina Schaefer, and Emi Sakura. All right, I don't know who Emi is, but... From this match, I can say she's a pretty decent worker. This match was not half bad. I think Marina Schaefer showed her skills in this match very well. I think she did phenomenal in this match. And of course, the other girls, what do you expect? Nyla Rose being Nyla, you know. Britt Baker's Britt Baker, Sheeta's Sheeta, Statlander is the weird fucking alien who shouldn't be TBS champion. But either way, crazy shit happens. So afterwards, uh, Statlander gets Schaefer back in the ring and pins her. Uh, Baker and Sheeta argue after the match because Baker accidentally kicked Sheeta and then Nyla Rose slams Baker. Statlander clotheslines Rose over the ropes. She dies on everyone at ringside and then Statlander pins uh, Baker in the ring. Then Baker and Sheeta argue after the match. Ruby Soho attacks Statlander and steals the TBS championship, which I think is stupid since they're going to be fighting it all out. Why steal the championship? Just beat her down. I hate this whole, I'm going to steal the belt crap. It's goddamn ridiculous. Then we see a video package hyping up Shane Taylor challenging Samoa Joe for the television title at All Out. Shane Taylor apparently has been a staple in Ring of Honor. I did like some of his promo work. I thought he did very, very well with that. And I look forward to seeing how well he does in the pay-per-view. Like I said, I'm not quite familiar with Shane Taylor, but I'm intrigued to see how Shane operates. Then we got another Don Callis segment, but it involves Omega and the, the match he's having with uh, Takesha, so I'm going to skip that shit. And we're going to move on to the in-ring segment here. We got the AEW World Trios Champions, the Acclaimed and Billy Gunn in the ring. Mass Caster does his usual raps. The Acclaimed and Billy Gunn get in the ring. Gunn says he has got, he has some good news to share as he announces that Daddy Ass is back because he was Badass Billy Gunn for All In. Now he's going back to being Daddy Ass now that they've redeemed themselves or he's redeemed himself. Caster vows to dominate the trio's division. He says he wanted to start their reign with a ribbon-cutting ceremony. Gunn tells Caster he has a little one in reference to his scissors. Gunn pulls out a big pair of scissors. He goes, let me show you my big one, and cuts the ribbon. Bowen says a new era in the trio's division has begun. 
He says this is the house of ass. He says they wear pink in this house. Bowen says he and Caster had a surprise and he revealed pink titles. They show off the new titles and announce they will defend the titles on Collision. Okay, I was somewhat enjoying this until Bowen's opened his mouth. Okay, look, I get that Bowen's is the G and the LGBT. I get it. But this is the most emasculating, stupidest, goddamn ridiculous segment I've ever seen. House of Ass is not something you want to do or, or be if you're trying to intimidate your opponent or get taken seriously as a grown man. And wearing pink is dumb as fuck. Because the only thing to talk about a guy wearing pink is his ability to take it up the ass. No grown man should be wearing pink. Unless you're wearing a shirt that says, don't laugh, this is your girlfriend's shirt. Or if it's breast cancer awareness month and you're wearing pink for that, that's another free pass. Or if you're a member of the Hart family and you're able to successfully mix it in with black and have black and pink. Somehow Brett was able to pull that off and so were most of the Hart family. So I'll give them a pass. But this, this was the dumbest shit I've ever seen. I feel like Chandler and Friends going, where are all the men? Seriously, I've never seen three feminine dudes in my whole life. It was the saddest thing I've ever seen. Basically, long story short, this was gay as fuck. And on that note, we move on to the main event of the evening for the AEW International Championship. Orange Cassidy defends the title against Pentagon with Alex Abrahantes. This was a spot fest from hell. Yeah, I didn't see a different Orange Cassidy in this match. Maybe they're saving it for All Out, I don't know. But this match was a spot fest from hell and not worth watching. In fact, the only, the only moment in this whole match or segment that was worth watching was the post-match promo. The match was garbage. But then Cassidy wins the match, so, shocker, literally gets his arm snapped and gets hit with a fear factor, but that doesn't put pockets away. He instead rolls up Penta and gets a win. So already I'm like, well, we're getting Moxley versus Cassidy. Not excited. But then Cassidy gets a chair, sits in the ring and says, he's tired and his body hurts and he normally doesn't like to talk. But he says he's here, he's wrestling, and he's defending the title. Cassidy says the title means everything to him. He vows to continue to defend the title for as long as he wants. Cass says he will always be the champion because he is Orange Cassidy and he doesn't have a catchphrase and drops the mic. And then Moxley gets in the ring, stares him down as the show goes off the air. Now, you guys have heard me a lot over the last four years give a lot of shit to Orange Cassidy. Here's the part of the show where I flip the script on all of you. That was a stellar fucking promo from Orange Cassidy. I loved every minute of that. Orange Cassidy finally fired up. And my favorite part is when he said, this title means everything to me. Because with Orange Cassidy, he shows no emotion. He does that lazy sloth shit, like, whatever, I'm from wherever, I carry the belt in a backpack, because I don't have, because I, because I'm fucking lazy like that, and oh, I make lazy look cool, because only to the younger generation would being lazy be cool. So to finally see him fucking fire up, get mad, get ready, like now, now I actually think I'm going to see a different Orange Cassidy on Sunday at All Out. Because if I don't see a different Orange Cassidy this Sunday at All Out, best believe I'm tearing that match apart. But if I can see a new Orange Cassidy, if Orange Cassidy shows me a side of him that I've never seen before, basically if he does what Wheeler Yuta did against Eddie Kingston tonight, 
or last night, the time you're listening to this, and actually brawl and fight, and there's no spot monkey bullshit, no shin-kicking crap, or if he does do it, do it the way he did it all in when Moxley was, like, in pain on the ground, taunting him. I would do that, but I'm actually excited now. That was a great promo. I didn't know Orange Cassidy had it in him, but it impressed me. He cut the type of promo that a guy like him should cut, and he got people excited for his match on Sunday. Whereas I mentioned before, no one's done that. There's no build-up to any of these matches, because most of them are rematches from fucking all in. What reason do I have to care? Orange Cassidy gave me a reason to care about his match with Jon Moxley. And I'm just as shocked as all of you. I'm actually excited for this match because I think there's a strong possibility Orange Cassidy might lose this fucking title. Because I don't see Moxley dropping to Cassidy. Then again, I didn't see a lot of people dropping to Orange Cassidy. And they did. But even more than that, I'm intrigued to see how the fucking match is going to go. This is the only match on the card where I actually care more about the match than anything else. Because Orange Cassidy gave me a reason to care. Which is more than I can say for the rest of this roster. So, Elvis has been waiting for me to say something positive. Here it is. Orange Cassidy is great on the mic when he wants to be. I just wish he would be more often. And that, ladies and gentlemen, will wrap up this recap of AEW. Uh, before I officially uh, end the show, we'll run down the card one more time for All Out. We have, for the TNT Championship, Luchasaurus with Christian Cage defends the title against Darby Allin. Uh, I got a strong feeling Darby Allin is going to walk out with his championship. I don't want him to because I feel like Christian's doing a great job with Luchasaurus. I feel like... The momentum's there, but I got a strong feeling they're giving it to Darby. Next, we got Miro versus Powerhouse Hobbs. 100% I'm back at Miro. I want the Redeemer to take out Powerhouse Hobbs. I want to see Miro on a fast track to the real world title. Hell, earlier I was talking about if they, they could have Punk drop it to somebody. I just forgot. They could have gave it to fucking Miro instead of having him fight Powerhouse Hobbs. Maybe put that somewhere else. I don't fucking know. I'm just saying. We could have given an opportunity for Punk to drop the title you know, get the money in Chicago, and then suspend him. But either way, I'm going with Miro. Then we got the TBS Championship. Chris Statlander defends against Ruby Soho. Ruby Soho damn well better win. She deserves it. We need to get some star power behind this championship instead of keeping it on this random fucking alien bitch that should have never won it in the first place. Then, of course, with the International Championship, Orange Cassidy defends against John Moxley. I want Moxley to win, but I'm intrigued for that match. Then, of course, we got Kenny Omega versus Takesha with Don Callis. Obviously, I'm skipping that. I'm invoking the elite rule, so I don't give a shit what happens here. Then we got Bullet Club Gold versus FTR and the Young Bucks because uh, I'll just mention this as I'm saying it here. Uh, FTR did confront the Young Bucks in the locker room to ask them why they didn't shake their hands. They said, look, we're sorry. We were a little emotional. We really wanted to win the tag belts, and we feel like we let some people down, but you know what? You guys were the better team, and you deserve it. So they were going to shake their hands before Bullet Club Gold interrupted. So I'm like, okay. Turns out the handshake thing was a storyline, so I guess the Bucks are not as classless as I thought they were. And that's about as close as you're going to get to me saying anything nice about those fuckers. But then Bullet Club Gold challenged into a four-on-four, and they accepted. But again, it involves the Bucks, so elite rule in effect. Don't give a fuck. Next, we got Better Than You, Bay Bay. Adam Cole and MJF defending the titles against the winner of the fucking Battle Royal. I don't care who wins the Battle Royal because I don't see Adam Cole and MJF losing those titles anytime soon. 
So, watch Rampage to see who fucking wins. I will not be watching Rampage, so I'll find out when I watch All Out Sunday who they're facing. Then we got the Ring of Honor World Television Championship. Samoa Joe defends the title against Shane Taylor. I don't know why, but I think Samoa Joe is going to win this match. But, I, but I'm mostly intrigued to find out what Shane Taylor is all about. Let's see if he uh, let's see if he can impress the booch. Not easy to do. And then we have ourselves a little tag team match. As I mentioned before, Eddie Kingston and Kasaori Shibata versus Claudio Castanoli and Wheeler Yuta from the Blackpool Combat Club. Again, this shouldn't be a fucking tag match. It's just be Eddie and Claudio one-on-one. -on -one. But I have a strong feeling the Blackpool Combat Club is going to win this one since they did not win Stadium Stampede. So I'm going to go with Claudio and Wheeler. All right, and that, ladies and gentlemen, will wrap up this episode of the Boochcast. Thank you guys so much for tuning in. Uh, make sure you guys follow the Boochcast. We're on Anchor, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and iHeartRadio. Pick your favorite hosting site and follow us there, or be a super fan and follow us on all four hosting sites. Also, like us on Facebook. Go to facebook.com slash theboochcast. We have archived episodes of the show as well as great content. Make sure you guys check out the Nail Soap Opera moment. I did, on the Facebook page, post the uh, recap that we did of WWE SummerSlam. So make sure you guys go and check that out. And of course, be on the lookout for this uh, coming Saturday when early in the day we'll be posting our uh, predictions, because we're recording this week, uh, our predictions for WWE Payback that is taking place this Saturday on the Peacock. Also, you can follow us on Twitter and Instagram at the Boochcast. Get the latest tweets, photos, and videos. Visit our YouTube channel. Check out all of our YouTube content. And be sure to hit the subscribe button and ring that bell to be notified when future content will be posted. We're currently working on Dark Side of the Ring. And uh, Gator has apparently decided to do his part. He has since apologized for his behavior. I know he alluded to that a little bit uh, during the NXT recap yesterday. But as well as you know, Gator has decided to honor his commitments and stop being a whiny, petty motherfucker. And of course, we're also working on Dark Side of the 2000s as well. That's coming soon too. So a lot's coming to the YouTube channel. So subscribe now. If you haven't already, check out the content we have up there now. If you haven't already, and be ready when the new shit drops. And of course, make sure you follow us on Twitch. Go to twitch.tv slash theboochcast. That's where we do our live wrestling watch parties. Our next watch party will be Saturday, November the 25th for the WWE Survivor Series. That's right. We got the big Survivor Series coming up. Uh, we're currently working out the kinks for it because I'm trying to get make sure the team can get together and give you guys a watch party because sadly, I will not be able to attend the watch party as I will be in Winston-Salem, North Carolina with Buck Bagwell on the 24th and the 25th of November for WrestleCade. So if you guys are in the Winston-Salem, North Carolina area, come on down to WrestleCade. See some of the biggest stars in professional wrestling, including Buff Bagwell. He'll be there uh, signing autographs, taking pictures, and I'll be there with him uh, helping out at his table. So come say hi to both of us, but uh, get your picture with him and an autograph as well. And for those of you who are in the Winston-Salem, North Carolina area, and you're going to check out the Survivor Series, go to our Twitch channel and hang out with the team. And, of course, we have our live D&D show coming soon, our Boochcast Booking Battle, another special project in the works. And, of course, you can support the Boochcast by going to podcasters.spotify.com slash pod slash show slash the Boochcast slash support. Become a supporter of the Boochcast. 
Support this podcast with a small monthly donation to help sustain future episodes. We have three levels you can donate at. Pick the one that works the best within your budget. We have our first level, which is $0.99, cents, $1 per month. We have our second level, which is $4.99, $5 per month. The same amount of money you would pay for a Peacock subscription. I know a lot of you guys out there aren't fans of the Peacock. So don't give them money. Give us money. We have better content than Peacock anyway. And we have the third and final level you can donate at, which is for a mere $9.99. $10 per month. The same amount of money we used to pay for a WWE Network subscription here in the United States. Ever since they sold the Peacock, you got to put that $9.99. Did that $9.99, bring it over here. We got better content than a network, and unlike Endeavor, we actually care about our fans by dedicated to giving the people what they want. You have the option of paying with your credit card or with GPay. And the best part is, all the money we raise goes back into the show in some capacity. We used to upgrade our equipment. We used to bring in bigger name guests, pay the bills, and take care of all the guys who work very hard on the air and off the air to make the Boochcast a success. So if you got a favorite co-host and believe they're to be paid for their hard work, podcasters.spotify.com slash pod slash show slash the Boochcast slash support is how you make that happen. And then if there's any money left over, when it's all said and done, we use the rest to feed Zacharias Scott his ramen noodles and try to get them late. And until next time, this is Vinny Bucci, a.k.a. The Booch, saying keep on living life and take care. This has been The Boochcast. We'll talk to you guys next time. Until then, pizza, baby! Well, I see by the clock on a wall that it's time to bid you one and all goodbye. Goodbye. So long. So long. Farewell. Farewell. Adieu. Adieu. Be good. Stay well. Bye-bye. Keep warm. Relax. And eat. Take care. Stay loose. Adieu, mon vieux. A la prochaine. Goodbye till when we meet 